LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. everybody it is steve the rogue scholar and today we are going to touch on something um, that most of us probably shouldn't have to give a shit about and that is the debt ceiling and i'm really annoyed i'm just let me just be really frank here really annoyed that this is even a conversation i'm annoyed that we have to have it over and over again i'm annoyed that it's used as a weapon i'm annoyed that we continue to believe things in fact even the deputy a secretary of the treasury um, says nonsense about borrowing money, uh, the U.S. government's ability to borrow money and, and so forth. Um, there's, there's an entire thing, man. There's an entire kind of like narrative around this. Um, you know, the debt ceiling construct went all the way back to World War I. In fact, Stephanie Kelton was just on NPR talking about this. Um, she got to sit around with people that weren't necessarily uh, straight shooters. Um, but the reality of it all is, is that the debt ceiling was set up during world war one. It was supposed to facilitate and help with making sure that bills were paid and paid on time in the midst of war, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing. It's a statutory law. It's a law that came much later. We have a constitutional amendment, the 14th amendment that says that the United States debt shall not be questioned it, it, the validity of it shall never be questioned okay it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the united states constitution has a higher standing than some random law passed later so the question is how will joe biden approach this because whether you think this is real and they're all sitting there really really trying to work it out they're working it out. They're hanging out and they're wrestling with these ideas and they're trying to work it out. If you really believe that, okay, we'll talk that way too. Or if you believe this is political theater and they pop these things up every so often to keep us on pins and needles uh, and then they do whatever hostage taking they're going to do. In fact, I think, uh, what's his name? McConnell recently said, this is a hostage you want to take, man. It's worth taking. There's there's value to be gleaned from the hostage taking that is the debt ceiling. But if you also listen, I want to take you back momentarily to an interview I did with Ron Gray on the subject. And he talked about the statutory limits of various types of debts, the, the types of debt limit for each type of thing. And there was you know, bond issuance from the treasury. There was coins, which is why you hear typically conversation about minting the coin because the coins is no debt limit on that. There's no borrowing per se. We can just simply create a coin of any uh, denomination, any value that we want and simply deposit and be done with it, right? Now, obviously, People like Randall Ray have spoken um, in other papers that, hey, this mint the coin thing's a neat idea to get rid of this. However, I'd like to attack it straight up and just get rid of the thing. The problem is, is that why in the world would Republicans give up the opportunity to hijack spending? And also, why would Democrats give up the ability to hijack spending when they can go ahead, when they're out of power and they can kind of 
play games with uh, the Republicans in the reverse. Let's be fair. Typically, these games are conducted by the Republicans, and that could be just the cosplay of the government that they're doing, or that could be real. My, my belief system doesn't allow me to take this stuff too seriously because when I hear elected officials talking about United States government borrowing money, I immediately think this person is either fucking lying, they're an idiot, or they're a paid actor. There is no valid excuse for saying the U.S. government borrows money from anyone. It literally is the patent holder. It's the creator of a unit of account, of, of an inch, uh, you know, a pound, whatever. So why in the world would the United States government borrow money? And you can go through the debt limit history and the debt ceiling history, and it's fascinating. There's lots of neat stories that you can go back to World War One and read it on up to present. And you can see how these games have been played consistently. I, I mean, it's really ratcheted up here of late. And I don't know that there's any end in sight because, you know, when we talk about it, it's the most plain in your face subject of all time to me, but to other people that really believe the United States government borrows money from China. There are people that really believe this. I'd like to know how China is able to print U.S. dollars to lend back to the U.S., but that's another story for another day. A lot of people think this stuff. You can't shake it. And then worse, there's smart people that go full metal stupid and believe that the United States government borrows from commercial private banks. It just goes out and takes out a loan. And that its credit rating is really important or also to hurt its chances of getting loans in the future. The more you say it, the harder it is to believe that it's not like just complete murderous intent that they keep this lie going. But worse, your friends, your friends repeat this. Your friends repeat this ad nauseum. Hell, some of you all probably repeat this. There's probably a few of you watching right now that are the kind of person that thinks, oh my God, I don't want to pass the debt to my grandchildren, right? And so each year, the president puts together a budget. He submits his budget to Congress, who passes a non-binding resolution to approve the budget. Now, a budget, because it's approved, doesn't mean that that money is approved. It's only approved when there's a bill that's been passed that those dollars are spent. Now, the problem is this. And if you go back to the video I did a few weeks back where I drew out the flows and how spending actually occurs, okay? The United States government has a TGA or a, a Treasury's general account. And in order to pay bills, there needs to be money in the Treasury's general account or at least keystrokes, numbers, whatever, in their general account. And what happens is every single day, the United States government pays tons and tons and tons, billions of dollars in bills. And it also, quote unquote, brings in revenue of billions of billions of dollars of tax revenue. Okay. Taxes aren't paid at the end of the year. They're paid throughout the year. Deposits are constantly made in the treasurer's general account. They're constantly pulled back. But this is all smokescreen. Even the TGA is a fucking smokescreen. Okay. The whole thing is a smokescreen. 
and I'm not saying this in the traditional way that people that don't understand this stuff. So yeah, it's a psyop or whatever, right? Whatever, whatever things that people don't understand this stuff say to cover up the fact that they don't know what they're saying. Those things we're not talking that because we do know what we're saying. Okay. But the treasury's general account is just a silly little thing that they use to make payments out of. There's no reason that they could not have an overdraft. There's no reason that they couldn't do that other than the fact that there's a rule on the books that says you can't do that. So there's all these little rules they put in place that are like bullshit. They don't really mean anything. It's like telling your child that they won't get pregnant if they put an aspirin between their knees and they actually put the aspirin between their knees. Okay. This is the kind of stuff that the debt ceiling, the treasury's general account, all these things are. They're props to give legitimacy to all this hand-wringing and all this voodoo logic, okay, of how hard it is and how we got to borrow money and the Treasury's got to issue Treasury bonds out there, blah, blah, blah. But what is a bond? A bond is nothing more than a savings account. That's it. A bond is a savings account with specific instructions for when it comes to maturity. In other words, like a savings account, you just put your money in a savings account. And it could stay in there yeah, forever, right? And whatever the interest rate is, it's 1%, 2%, whatever, that savings account will continue to grow in the fashion in which you agreed to take on the savings. Well, that is all a bond is as well. That's all a bond is. The difference is, is that it's it's got a timer on it. Okay. It might be a six-month timer. It might be a one-year timer. It might be a five-year timer. Okay. And the intent there is there's a penalty to pulling your money out before that timer strikes zero. Okay. And so with all that, with all that, I think it's important to take a step back and recognize that anything that we try to do, any possible idea that we come up with for how to get around the debt ceiling is missing the fundamental point that the debt ceiling, they don't want to get around it. They're not looking for a way around the debt ceiling. This is why Joe Biden hasn't come right out and done the 14th Amendment yet, okay? Because once he does the 14th Amendment, once he pulls the 14th Amendment, it can never be unpulled. The 14th Amendment will suddenly be the way it works, period. And you can effectively end all debt ceiling debates going forward because you know that the 14th Amendment, which says that the United States government will always pay its bills, period, okay? And if that 14th Amendment holds up against this rando law, which it would, in any logical sense, it would absolutely be the end of it all. Well, what happens when the Democrats aren't in power or they are in power and vice versa? They use these tools as a means of hijacking a political agenda. Has absolutely nothing to do with actually saving the country money or preserving the debt so our grandchildren don't, you know, take on this stuff. The overall debt is over $31 trillion in the United States. Think about that. $31 trillion in debt. 
Now, what that means in the real world is that we've got 31 trillion in basically securities of some sort. It actually is the net money supply to a penny, to the penny. It's the sum total of every untaxed dollar in existence, okay? Now, the interesting thing is, is that because there are types of debts, the debt ceiling doesn't pertain to all of them. It only pertains to the United States government sending out treasuries to authorize additional deficit spending. That's it. To bring in cash, they'll sell treasuries, and that'll go into the treasury's general account, blah, blah, blah. It's all smokescreen, though, folks. It's all a smokescreen. Now, one of the funny things I heard today, let's see if you guys find this nearly as funny as I do, because you're going to see it ties together with an awful lot of other issues. If the debt ceiling isn't lifted, guess what payments can't be made? Social security payments can't be made. Just that alone. I don't want to take on all the other things. Just, just social security for a minute, right? Uh, if you paid into the Social Security Trust Fund and the trust fund was really a thing, you wouldn't have to worry about the Treasury and the debt ceiling to make Treasury bill payments of Social Security. But you'd have to be thinking to get this part. Your brain would have to be operational. It would have to have sparks, synapses firing. There'd have to be light behind the eyes to see this. Okay. Most people, the candles turned off completely. Okay. Once again, each of these stories is a lie. It's all a lie, right? Yes, there is a law in the books about the debt ceiling, about, which was, like I said, brought about during World War I. But it's a farce. So when they talked about minting the trillion-dollar coin, as a workaround around the debt ceiling. Let's assume they really, truly want a workaround this way, okay? They would take a coin, maybe it's this small, maybe it's this big, rolling it down the road and deposit it at the Fed, who would then in turn mark up the Treasury's general account, and they would never have to worry about any of these issues with overpayments or underpayments or not having enough cash to clear because every year the, you know, you have that resolution for what the budget is every year. It's set every year. They agree to a certain amount that they'll pay. Well, the depositing the trillion dollar coin in there literally is absurd enough to block out any of this nonsense. Okay. So I'm, before I start taking questions, because I'm seeing some questions in the in the chat, let me just finish what I'm saying here. So you watched as Paul Ryan and uh, Alan Greenspan years ago fought about the solvency of the, uh, uh, what do you want to call this? Uh, the solvency of the social security system. And, you know, when you realize that even Alan Greenspan, who was Reagan's guy, who was Clinton's guy, I mean, this is a guy who's the one of the worst people on the planet, neoliberal to the extreme, okay? Not above any kind of shitty shenanigans. But he had the ultimate 
actual act of honesty as he pushed back against Paul Ryan. Um, I think I may actually have the video of this. Let me see if I have the video still on hand. I do have the video on hand. Let's go ahead and watch this together real quick. So having personal retirement accounts is, a, is another way of making a, a future retiree benefits more secure for their retirement. And also, do you believe that personal retirement accounts as a component to a system of solvency does help improve solvency? Because when you have a personal retirement account policy, it, it's accompanied with a benefit offset. With that feature in place, do you believe that personal retirement accounts can help us achieve solvency for the system and make those future retiree benefits more secure? Well, I, I wouldn't say that the uh, pay-as-you-go benefits are insecure in the sense that uh, <clears throat> there's nothing to prevent the federal government from creating as much money as it wants and paying it to somebody. The question is, how do you set up a system which assures that the real assets are created which those benefits are employed to purchase? So it's not a question of security. It's a question of the structure of a financial system which assures that the real resources are created for retirement as distinct from the cash. The cash itself is nice to have, but uh, it's got to be in the context of the real resources being created at the time those benefits are paid so that you can purchase real resources with the benefits, which, of course, are cash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, I never get tired of seeing Paul Ryan go, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, like, just the hilariousness of it all. It, 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 it's beyond comedy, right? So here's the deal. I'm going to go up here and answer a few questions that came up here. Carpe Diem says, Steve, how much would it matter if China cashed out 20%, 40%, 90%, 100% of its treasuries? Not at all. All right. Let's talk about this for just a second. And, and, and it's very frustrating because, as you know, there's a lot of folks out there who had a problem with a lot of people regarding ivermectin and Fauci and all that stuff. So instead of agreeing to disagree on vaccines they went the full monty and they listened to trash platforms that pump up nonsense about china and dead and bitcoin and other things i see out there i know who you are i know the people out there that gave up on real honest reporting and went off and chased these people and said ah i can put up with every other lie they tell as long as they tell me good things about ivermectin i see you i know who you are you your ivermectin moment is over but the rest of this debt stuff you fucked us on, it's here to stay, baby. All because you sold out for an ivermectin deal. It's gone. It's over. It's done. But not the debt and not all the shit we've got to deal with because of it. And because you gave rise to these shitty platforms that pump up all this nonsense about debt, deficits, China, and all the other crap. Well, we're fucked now. Thank you. Give yourself a round of applause. Pat yourself on the back. I'm sure Joe Rogan and others congratulate you for that all right that said put my gun back in my holster here for a moment when i think about china china literally sells huge amounts of goods and services into the united states and when china sells goods and services into the united states 
it receives U.S. dollars. Okay, it receives U.S. dollars. Now, what it does with those dollars is another thing altogether because it's still got to be able to facilitate transactions done in U.S. dollars. If they sell off all their treasuries, it's just going to make it harder to do business. Nothing more than that. Warren Mosler says, all we owe China is a bank statement. Okay. Now, ask yourself, the safest investment, bar none, is United States Treasuries. There's nowhere in the world you can put your money, regardless of this debt ceiling stuff. There is nowhere in the world that you can put your money safer than in the United States Treasuries, period. Okay. Now, part of the problem here is, is that if that if we don't pay our bills, it will rock the confidence in the dollar and people may not want to buy treasuries and blah, 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 right? Well, if you listen to MMTers at all, and you should, maybe not on all, all their political stuff, but you should definitely understand it in terms of the legal framework and in terms of the monetary system, okay? With that in mind, you got to understand that China has to do business with us, or they don't. If they choose not to do business with us, we would find a replacement. They would find a replacement to do business with. We would find a replacement. But one of the reasons why China is not like a great place to store your money, save your money in China, because they don't have a robust finance system. That's not good. Quite frankly, I'd love to get rid of all this finance altogether, okay? I'm tired of Wall Street. But the people that have faith in the dollar, confidence, ain't you and I. You and I don't have a say-so in what we do. You and I go to the store and we buy whatever we have to buy. We buy it with whatever we have in our pocket. But these other the countries that are big investors and stuff like that, the ones that you're worried about having confidence, you know, your rich people that you're always complaining about. Oh, I wonder if this rich oligarch has a confidence in the dollar. I really care what that rich oligarch does, right? Assuming for a minute that they wanted to get away from the U.S., there's no safer place to put your money than in the U.S. Now, Biden and others have done a hell of a job of shaking that confidence by cutting off Russia from the SWIFT system. That certainly didn't do any favors, okay? Certainly did not do any favors. However, however, it's important to understand that it wouldn't do shit, okay? Somebody's going to take those dollars, and if not, the U.S. just write it down. It's not a big deal at all. That's their savings account. That's the Chinese savings account. If they don't want that, who cares? We'll sell those bonds to someone else. Okay? They'll sell those goods to someone else. It doesn't matter. And then, let's just say hypothetically, no one else will buy the U.S. debt. In other words, they won't buy any more U.S. bonds because they've lost confidence. Whatever trash you hear out there, fucking flush it, okay? The real deal is the U.S. buys its own debt up, just like <gasps> Japan bought its own debt up. Why? Because it's not really debt, folks. You want to stop seeing debt? Stop selling bonds. You want to stop selling bonds? Well, you better be prepared for all the pension plans that rely on bonds to keep them steady, even in good times and bad times. You know, it's like, you know, when you get your own personal investment portfolio, 
you have a certain small amount. And I'm saying this for people that have 401ks and stuff that you, you work at Walmart. They provide you with a 401k at this point. Okay. I'm not saying everybody has one. This is still elite world here, but most people, when they go into a job and they get hired and they're not a contractor have access to some sort of savings plan. Within that savings plan, it tells you the breakup of all the different investments. Are you old? If you're old, you may want to take a much more safe way, which they would dump a lot of it into bonds. If you're young and you have risk, you might dump it into some riskier, more prospective type investments, whatever. So there's this whole pie chart of how your investments are broken out. We don't need, we collectively don't need to finance our pensions with bonds, we could literally make it a point that the federal government takes all those pension plans on period, fully funds them, could do anything, could literally do it dollar for dollar. It could even fund it more than it's doing now. Okay. But because we can't fucking get out of our own way and we can't use our brains, this brains are in short supply these days, apparently we're content with this bond situation. And those bonds are important elements to pensioners and savings accounts and people that are saving for retirement, IRAs, whatever. Very, very important, especially for folks, older folks that are really coming close to the end of their working lives or productive lives in terms of making money. And now they've got to find a way to survive the last 20, 30 years of their life. And so these are the ways they do it. But even that could be directly funded without this mirage of bonds, the need for bonds and all this crap, okay? But the government sells bonds. They sell bonds to defend a positive interest rate, okay? Well, that interest rate could be set to permanent zero, okay? It could be set to permanent zero. And as Randy Ray says, we could stop selling bonds altogether. Now, you could have... Federal Reserve notes that are turned into bonds. You could Fed could sell bonds to people. Others could sell bonds. I mean, they can make a decision to pay a certain amount of interest for those bonds. Okay. Somebody just said something, and I'm gonna repeat, I'm gonna say something. It really is highly offensive when when I see someone say this. Okay. You cannot print money forever. First of all, just don't say these things. I'm giving you permission to back away. I'm not going to make this a long point because I'm assuming you just don't understand what you're saying. The government always digitally prints money every single time it spends. And every single time it taxes, it digitally removes and deletes and destroys currency. It doesn't respend it. So it's not like they're just filling the thing up and just printing money. That is the most uneducated thing to say we don't want to do that we want to be the smart ones we never want to be the people that say things that aren't smart and that's something that's not smart it's something we've all probably said at some point in time it's something we should never say again because it's not even in the realm of truth it's it's a lie right it's not true it's a fairy tale it's a myth it's a legend it's a lie it's a nothing burger okay we don't print money we there's enough money printed to satisfy atm uh, and teller transactions. And for people that want to hold some cash, that's it. The rest of it is digitally created via keystrokes. And when money is spent, keystrokes into an account. And when it's taxed out, keystrokes remove it out. 
That's it. That's it. Full stop. Anyone, no, you can't do it forever. All these things are lies that breed austerity. The rich never suffer, by the way. They never suffer these things that the people at the bottom fight over. Yeah, you can't print money forever. And the rich are laughing. They're like, hey, where are we going on vacation? You want to fly to Paris tonight? Sure, let's do it. The person trying to get food on their table is like, God, there's not enough money. And so, well, you can't print money forever. We don't do that around here. We, we try to only say worthful things, not things like that. So it's no offense to you, victory over. I just want to make sure we get this shit straight. Now, if you understand that the debt ceiling is not about the overall national debt, the debt ceiling is about the annual budget. And that's why there's an annual battle over the debt ceiling. So when the president passes a budget and you get up to the point of what the allowable debt is for that month. When I say debt, again, it's selling treasuries. And when do we sell treasuries? Ask yourself this, when do we sell treasuries? Do we sell treasuries before we spend to get money? Or do we send tre sell treasuries after we spend? We sell treasuries after we spend. Why? Because it's not a funding operation, okay? It's not a funding operation. So there was a paper Kelton put out long, long, long time ago. And that paper that she put out was, can taxes and bonds finance government spending? And she went through the whole stabs and tabs thing. This is a white paper, peer-reviewed white paper. I suggest everyone go out and read it. It's under the name Stephanie Bell. In fact, eh, somebody wants to look it up, they can do it. I've done it too many times. Somebody please, that, particularly if there's an admin from the team, go out there and drop Stephanie Bell's um, uh, white paper in about can bonds uh, finance governments, bonds and taxes. And taxes and bonds literally do not do this, all right? Um, so that said, that said, this concept is going to keep going on and on, and it's never going to impact the rich. I want you to understand that. These debt ceiling battles is not impacting the wealthy. This is not hurting the wealthy. Yes, somebody may get a delayed payment once they, um, once they actually, uh, you know, look at it. Anyway, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip past that momentarily. So right now the Republicans are holding hostage all the spending. They're trying to roll back things like uh, the student debt support. It was minimal. Folks, Biden's student debt relief was like nothing. It didn't even cover the interest for most people, okay? We're talking about a very, very meager thing, but they're going to claw it back. They're going to use it to hold it hostage. The next thing, the most important one of that is that, quite frankly, if we go through this every year, then you should be able to have a historical record of going through this every year. And there is a historical record. Most of the times they just simply do it without any fight. There's no fight. There's no fight. But here recently, there has become a constant fight. And it's a constant battle because why? What have MMTers poorly done? MMTers, first of all, have poorly stuck together. They got too many little clicks running off in their own little ways. Um, but the other thing that MMTers haven't done 
is made the case not just to Democrats who still consistently say the most stupid shit about their hard-earned tax dollars, okay? But it's the Republicans. Now, if we were Republicans, let's say, and maybe one of you is out there, why, I don't know, but let's just say you were, and you really believe in your heart of hearts that the government is taking on unsustainable debt, that they're just printing up money. They're just printing it away, man. Print, print money. God damn, they're devaluing the dollar, right? Never mind the fact that we're not on a gold standard anymore, so we don't have a base to devalue. We don't have a base to debase. It's a free-floating fiat currency. So never mind the fact that it's completely bullshit, all right? Let's just say it's real in fantasy world, right? If you believe that you're handing off debt to your grandchildren and you've been working tirelessly to ensure you don't have any debt to pass on to your grandkid, why the hell should the country pass on debt to my grandchildren when in reality it's just to pay for Johnny over there transitioning to Juanita? They're using my tax dollars to let children transition trans males to females. What the hell's going on, right? All this nonsense that they go on. And they, well, my, my hard-earned tax dollars should not be paying for abortions, right? Should not be paying for abortions, right? And so because we have not explained in spades that taxes, our revenue, and as Warren Moser says, it comes from the old French word revenir, which means returned. It was returned back. Where did it get returned to? The government, right? The government from whence it came, okay? So the idea of revenue is not the same thing as receiving something to spend. It's not going into a piggy bank where we spent. Now, what happens, unfortunately? And this is where good friends disagree. I'm not going to give it any air cover, though. I'm just going straight for the kill shot, okay? Within the government sector, the Treasury's general account is merely a speed thing. When you're riding down the road and you go through one of those places where they're doing like a census to see how many cars cross this lane, highway right here, and they have that little rope going across. And every time you go, it goes, tallies up another stroke, tallies up another stroke, tallies up another stroke. Okay. We're doing those sorts of things, not only in the Social Security Trust Fund, but also the Treasury's general account. In the end, there's a statutory requirement that says the Treasury cannot have any kinds of bounce checks. It can't have an overdraft, blah, 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 okay, because otherwise it'd be counterfeit, whatever. The reality is, is that it's all bullshit because within the government, there is no such thing as money. There is no such thing as money. It's only once it hits the private sector that it becomes actual money, all right? So within this space, Within this space, they are literally creating a scenario where those Republicans feel completely valid and worrying about this unsustainable debt. Where the ever forever is this money going to come from? We can't spend what we don't have. They don't realize that this money is literally spoken into existence by fiat, which is by decree, look up the word fiat, you'll see by decree, okay? From Congress, Article 1, Section 8, gives your Congress 
the power of the purse. Now, of course, the laws that they have the power of the purse over have to go through the Senate and then have to go to the president for signature, okay? But once the legal requirements for passing a bill go through, the money that was promised to be spent on that bill was brought to you courtesy of your United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, okay? So this whole nonsense is ridiculous, but you must understand that they really believe this. So if you don't take the time, not only to learn so that you can disabuse your fellow Democrats and Republican friends, and of course the worst, the libertarians, Jesus Christ, is there anyone less economically literate? I can think of a few, unfortunately. Probably some of my socialist friends are almost as economically illiterate as my libertarian friends. And I consider myself a socialist, so there you go. I'm calling you out, friends. But as long as that paradigm exists, Republicans have a leg to stand on. Do you understand? As long as we give the air of legitimacy to this stuff. Now, it's not just enough to say it's stupid and be done. It is stupid, and you should be able to be done. We shouldn't even have to talk about it because it's that stupid. But because, alas, they believe it. And because, alas, when you go to read the documentation, they've done a good job. Winston sitting there at his little newspeak station, speaking unpersons into existence and out of existence and all sorts of other stuff. When they do this stuff, they ensure that they, the documentation says what they want it to say. But if I tell you, stand in the corner, rub your belly with your right hand and pat your tinfoil hat with your left hand, and out will come dollars, and suddenly they keystroke dollars into existence. Do you believe that rubbing your belly and rubbing your tinfoil hat created dollars? If you do, why don't you try it sometime, see if it does. But they could say that, and the reality is that they could say, until that guy rubs his belly and rubs his head with the tinfoil, of course, on, there's no money going to be put in there. And you'd be like, oh, my God, if we don't rub our bellies and pat our heads and stuff, we're not going to have any money. And if you let that stand, that stupidity will stand. And because most people don't give a fuck, they don't look into stuff. When they do, they go to some shitty YouTube channel where they talk about other things that have nothing to do with understanding how federal finance works. In fact, they deep dive into Bitcoin and shit like that, okay? When you do that, you don't create an informed populace. That group of people think suddenly that printing money devalues the dollar. All this stupid shit. But we've already had determined, and if you've been paying attention at all, the U.S. government says, I will take $1 in payment for $1 in tax. Okay? One to one, always. It's not like you got to give me $5 to pay $1 in tax. No, it's always $1 for $1 in tax. All right. So with that in mind, with that in mind, keep assuming that Republicans have a leg to stand on, that they're, it's real. Wouldn't you be concerned for your kids? Wouldn't you be concerned for your grandchildren? Wouldn't you be concerned for the health of society? that they not be debt slaves to China, 
that China's going to come to this country with their billion plus and enslave us all to work in sweatshops for them? Wouldn't you be scared? I think it's stupid, but sure, why not? Let's keep playing the Republican game for a minute. The teabagger, the right wing, the conservative mind. And by the way, Democrats say the stupid shit too, folks. So don't pat yourself on the back. Don't get smug. You guys are saying the dumbest shit too. So how do we move on past that? How do we get them over the hump? Well, you got to get them to the point where they stop believing it's their hard-earned tax dollar that's paying for things. We got to change the word taxpayer money to public money. We got to stop calling it the debt and start saying the net money supply. We got to stop acting like the U.S. government borrows from private banks. And I'm so frustrated. There's lefties that say this shit and it disgusts me. Stop. Just fucking stop. Resist the urge to sound like a Sig Heil Reich winger. Resist. You have it within you. You, you alone have the power to not say stupid right-wing things thinking you're being cute lefty. You're not a cute lefty. You might be owning shit libs, but you're owning it from the fascist playbook. Pick a lane. Yes, Democrats suck, but that doesn't mean acting like a re-thug, thinking the gold standard's king, doesn't mean any of that stuff is real. Okay? But you can clearly see there's logic to their thinking. In their mind, they're the most afraid people in the world, and they're also about fairness. So if they've been skipping the party on Friday nights, if they've been pinching pennies and making sure that they don't pass debt to their children, you can certainly understand their concern that you would be doing something irresponsible, creating a government that creates irresponsible spending with money they don't have. And that they're taking the hard-earned tax dollars you made that you purposely were avoiding spending so your grandkids wouldn't get it. Now they're taking your money away once again, and they're redistributing your money to some poor black kid, some poor trans kid, some immigrant coming to this country to ruin our society. Okay? I mean, think about what I'm saying. These parties are fucking political theater. If you're going to watch news, you should have popcorn and a soda ready. You should dim the lights. And you should trust that no one's going to talk in the theater. And if they do, throw something. Throw some popcorn at the person that's talking during the fucking, you know, announcements. Fuck them, man. Don't they have any respect? We're watching the, we're in a movie theater. <coughs> So now you can go further with this, obviously. Obviously, the ickies, I don't like that. Oh, my God. You can almost envision Republicans who probably do this as much as everyone else, but you can almost think of Republicans as worrying about the butt sex, worrying about all kinds of other crazy stuff, okay? Stuff that just ickies them. They get the ickies, right? They just want to make sure none of that icky stuff does. But they also don't want to see people that are hurting rise up because whether they acknowledge it or not, they were born on third base compared to the immigrants that come to this country seeking a new life. 
They were born on third base compared to all the black and brown people that were actually come from freedmen from slave trade, not just the diaspora, but literally freedmen from our slave trade in the United States, people that were literally slaves. Okay. And, and they suddenly are like, well, why should we give them a handout? They forget all the shit that's gone on since we started importing slaves into this country. And they forget all the shit that went on during Reconstruction. And they forget all the shit that went on during the 1900s, the Industrial Revolution. I'll even forget about it today. Because neoliberalism does something to help us forget about all this while we're going through this debt limit crap. <clears throat> Naturally, neoliberalism would like a token billionaire black person. It would like a token billionaire gay person. It would like a token billionaire president of whether it be woman, black, whatever. They want those things. So why? What happens in regular discourse? Well, you say there's racism. Well, there's no racism. How else could Barack Obama get in there? Right? But then you start looking and you realize the capital order knows no color boundaries. The capital order is all about capital. It's all about people of wealth and means being taken care of. And that us being kept desperate, okay, us being kept in bondage, basically, is there for them as kind of a tribute, if you will. We're there to serve them. They need to keep enough of us hurting and hungry to continue to service the wealthy class that they cater to. And that is how we transferred from a slave environment to our modern open-air slave environment where everybody can be a slave, okay? And they use debt instruments, private debt, driving interest rates up, all these things to keep us deaf, dumb, and stupid, pliable, willing. And so what does the debt limit do to regular people? It does a lot, right? Payments for people that are on welfare, payments for people that are in retirement, social security payments, you name it. Small government contractors, large government contractors who pay huge salaries suddenly wouldn't be able to pay it. And you want to talk about a catastrophic event that would bring on a tremendous recession, possibly a depression akin to what we saw during the pandemic, except with no intention of solving it, okay? That's what you're looking at. That's what you're looking at. So this Monday, you know, I, I, I came in, I heard Stephanie's talk on NPR, like I started this out. And, you know, I've talked to Ron Gray so many times about the mint the coin. And sure, it's gimmicky, but it solves a huge problem, right? You got to understand that it's not good enough to be right. What is important is that you understand the motivation for why things are the way they are. If you think that government believes that it borrows money from China, if you think that government doesn't know that when they pass a law, that money is just spent into existence. If you don't think they know that, you're wrong. So what's the motivation? 
okay? You got to ask yourself these questions. What is the motivation? What is the motivation for jailing so many people? Who needs to stay large and in charge? Who is desperate to make sure that there's always a lower class to look down upon? Just have to ask yourself these questions. Because this construct of the debt ceiling is used to great weaponized purposes to keep us from believing that we can do better, that we can have better, that we can live a better life. It's used to make us believe that there just isn't enough to go around. And when there's not enough to go around, you see people do this. They they put their hand around their plate and they give you the stink eye, right? You know, when someone has an ounce of weed, they're quick to share a joint with people. They're quick to smoke it up. But when someone's down to their last joint, they're like, what do I do? Right? <laughs> same with beer, same with steak, same with shrimp, whatever it is. People tighten up. As long as there's oceans of fresh drinking water, nobody's worried about water wars. But the more we have to worry about desalinization and the more we see drought rise up, the more precious water becomes and different people act different ways. Scarcity is a way of ensuring that people hate each other, stay hateful, stay separated, stay ununified, stay out of the solution space and into the pointing fingers and blame game. This is how fascism rises. When you have scapegoats, when you have scapegoats, when you have all kinds of other people to blame for why things are the way they are. If these people over here just wouldn't do this thing, everything would be okay. Those damn immigrants coming into the country weren't stealing all of our jobs, the lazy fuckers. (laughs) Schrodinger's immigrant, right? So lazy that they steal your job. Gotta love the fucking mind, the idiot mind of the fucking people that don't fucking think. But remember, there's an ounce of logic to this. If the federal government doesn't spend money on the people, when immigrants do come in this country, they are taking scarce resources. See how this works? And by ensuring the resource availability is scarce, it keeps those 'er ne'er-do-goods, those immigrants, in your crosshairs. Now, all of a sudden, you can blame the immigrants and, oh, my God, the gays and, oh, my God, the trans kids and, oh, my God, CRT and, oh, my God. All this stuff plays directly into the fallout of the debt ceiling conversation. You don't even realize it, but it does. All the scarcity, every one of you that buy into this bullshit of the country not having money, it's run out of money. Well, it's run out of money based on games they're playing to intentionally make you feel like we can't do nice things. Because if the government can't do nice things, like, I don't know, create NASA, well, then we can go ahead and give it to SpaceX and Virgin and all these other things to make the private sector look like it saved us. Oh my God, fuck NASA, we've got Elon Musk. See how this works? The great man of neoliberalism. 
the thing that turned me on, one of the big things that turned me on to MMT was that Stephanie Kelton long ago said, let's render the rich irrelevant and do it without them. We don't need the rich's money. But see, everybody's so convinced. Oh, we got, we got, uh, how are we going to pay? Well, well, first thing we got to do, we got to get rid of the tax cuts. And then, then, uh, 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 and then, then we got to cut military spending because we can't, we can't do it. We, we're out of money. How are we going to, we, we got to cut military spending or we won't have schools anymore. Uh, we got to, we won't be able to. You see this? When in reality, the money, spoken into existence with a law, whatever. They're not going in. Imagine some old lady down at the mint. Well, I got to get a wheelbarrow to pull this printed cash out for us to spend on these bills. Just imagine. Just imagine that. Just imagine what I just said. They want you to believe that the government can't do anything at all, that it's completely powerless, that it requires private public, private commercial banks to fund its operations. And then I say, well, wait, 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 hold on. If that's the case, where the fuck do these private banks get their charter to operate? Oh no, the government. So the government is king, but some dick shit Fucking tries to say, well, banks, banks are subservient, but no, we're going to make it appear that the government borrows from them. So banks rule the world, not the governments. We can make the government look feckless and impossible until we say, hey, military, let's go ahead and drop some tactical nukes. All of a sudden, man, we got the most powerful army in the world. Can you imagine all these old skinny bankers running around as Apaches or dropping tactical nukes on them? The bankers wouldn't stand a chance because the bankers aren't large and in charge. It's an illusion. They were given a charter by the government to operate. I just, after a while, don't you feel like seriously, like, just smacking people around a little bit? Just a little bit. Not too much. You're not trying to put them in the hospital. You just, you just want to smack them a few. You know? Take some salt out and rake the eyes. Drop the elbow off the top rope. Put them in a figure four leg lock. Do a suplex pile drive or something. You know? Every time I think about it, that's all I can think about. It's just, just a little. Just a little. Not too much. Is it too much to ask to give someone the backside of my hand once or twice? I don't think so. Why can't I give them the backside? Smack, 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 right? Just, eh, a little humiliating. It's not going to beat them up too bad. Just a little bruising. <laughs> They'll get over it. <laughs> I say this in humor because it, it is annoying. But the reality is, if the government doesn't pay its bills, guess what other groups are going to be hurting too? Since states are not currency issuers, states are going to suffer as well. 
Now you're not just dealing with a federal problem. You're dealing with every state. And as it trickles down, you're dealing with every municipality as well. All these groups that are subsidized, all these groups that are subsidized by the government. And I want you to think about this. Halliburton is 100% funded by the federal government because they come in, they say, yeah, we'll do this thing. The federal government gives them billion-dollar military contracts. They're doing something for it, but big fucking deal. Every last cent's coming from the goddamn federal government. Do you think these Republican groups, these rich capitalist fucks, want the government to stop spending? No, but they just don't want it to spend on you and I. Because if we have choices, we might choose something that doesn't involve serving them. It's just that simple. So anyway, I had so many things to talk about in this space, but the reality is, is that this debt limit thing is, is a game. And it's a game that will keep going on guys can stash this, put it in your back pocket somewhere and watch it next year when it plays again. I'll probably end up doing another stream next year for the new group of people since people lose interest after a while and they go up and watch somebody sell an ivermectin or something. It's time to fucking think about this shit because this is what the subject is. This is what's happening right here, right now. And you should get confident. You should find your sea legs and not be cowed and and concerned and worried, you should be ready to answer all these questions. The fact of the matter is that there was a law passed in World War I to help facilitate payments. Now it's used as a means of litigating already uh, promised, already spent bills that the federal government has incurred. And what they're trying to do is make the government not pay those bills so that it can look foolish and prove that government doesn't solve our problems. It's all about proving the government's inadequacy. It's all about making the government look feckless and impossibly, you know, stupid. Because they want you to have to go to private credit. They want you to have to go to private institutions for your services. They want you to have to pay a fee. And they want you to be in perpetual precarity. False scarcity narratives make us all fearful for our lives, make us fearful for our families, make us fear every day. And this is what they've done. This is what they're achieving. It's all part of a way of saying, hey, that thing that happened during the pandemic, don't remember that we can spend trillions of dollars on the whim without spending a nickel. And there's no tax dollars involved. Don't forget all that. We got to get you back on page, man. We got to get you back in the fold, man. You're thinking too big, man. We need you back in. We need you. We need you back over here, man. We need you fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, so we can control you. <laughs> and with that, folks, I think my grumbine moment is over because I don't have anything further to say at this time. So I'm out of here. See ya. I did that on purpose. Honest. 
you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 